Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join guest preacher Joe Linloff with this week's message. We have the privilege and the opportunity and the honor to continue this journey through the book of Ruth, one chapter at a time. Tonight, we focus our hearts and minds on selected verses from Ruth chapter 3, reading verses 1 through 13. We invite you to follow along. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You did not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. The people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closer related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. This is the word of our God. If I'm Naomi, I'm not so sure that would have been my plan. And if I'm Ruth, I'm not so sure I would have went along with it. Risky. Tense. I mean, you heard the plan. Went a little something like this. Ruth, I I need to find you a husband. So do you remember that man who noticed you while you were working in his fields, whose name is Boaz? Well, a little birdie told me that he is going to be at the threshing floor tonight. So Ruth, listen closely, because here's what I want you to do exactly as I say. I want you to clean yourself up, you know, so that you're not a grieving widow anymore. I want him to know that you're back 
on the market, that you're an eligible bachelorette again. So I want you to clean yourself up, pick out the nicest dress in your closet, and put on the perfume that smells like the summer beach. You know, the one that drives the men crazy. And then I want you to go down to the threshing floor to see Boaz, but don't let him see you right away. Make sure he's had enough to eat and to drink. And once he lies down, I want you to go over and uncover his feet. Just his feet, Ruth, because I don't want him waking other people up. He'll wake up from his feet being cold, and then it'll be just you and him in the dark, in the middle of the night, and Ruth, do whatever he says. That was the plan. And Ruth's response is clear. I will do everything you have said. After personally evaluating the plan and looking very closely at it, I'm not so sure that would have been my plan. And I need to closely evaluate it. Any decent parent would, because Naomi says, my daughter. So I naturally think of my daughter. And from a dad to my daughter, Whitney, whenever you listen to this, I am totally uncomfortable with this plan, and it will not be carried out as long as you live in my house. The plan is risky. The plan is tense. I mean, what about the fact that, that they meet in the darkness in the middle of the night? I don't know about you, but my curfew was well before midnight, and my mother always told me nothing good ever happens after midnight on the dating scene, and you know she's right. What about the fact that this plan brings an eligible bachelor and bachelorette Two single people together, alone, in the middle of the night, together. I mean, come on. I know that Boaz is, is an upstanding man, and I know that Ruth has incredible morals, but you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see how this could morally go wrong in so many ways. And yet, you know what? The moral of this text is about so much more than the plan. It's about the fact that the Lord blesses it. Clearly, he blesses it, right? It happens exactly as Naomi states. No, nothing went morally incorrect. Nothing was morally wrong. All that was waiting for Ruth at the end of this plan was the Lord blessing, hit, blessing her with an impending marriage in her life, God blessed the risk and the plan that they had made. Every time, brothers and sisters in Christ, that I've read this text up until this point at 30 years old, I have stood there with my arms crossed and my finger pointed at Ruth chapter 3. And maybe you have too. Because it's not the way that you would draw it up for your children, and it's certainly not the way that I would draw it up for my children. But in order to understand this text and what it is saying to us on August 9th, 2020, we have to approach the text the way the narrator approaches the text. 
Did you see the narrator at any point in here crossing his arms and judging their plan? Did you see the narrator at any point pointing fingers and judgments on the plans that they had made for Ruth to find a husband? You don't. It's morally ambiguous in this text. We aren't told whether this was right or wrong. The narrator simply states, this is what happened, and the Lord blesses it. So rather than us crossing our arms and judging the plan, what we need to see is that the Lord blesses his people. So understand this, Christians. Be very clear along with me that God is not condoning us to marry our daughters off like this in any sort of fashion. God is not condoning you dating people to say, you know what, the Lord is condoning this. He is excited about us meeting together even in the cover of darkness if we're decent and if we're alone. No, 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 no. That is not what Scripture states. We have a morally ambiguous text a plan of God's people, a risky plan that the Lord blesses. So rather than focusing any more time and energy and heart into the plan itself, what's more important than the plan of Ruth chapter 3 is whether we do something, anything, with the opportunities that God places into our lives. The whole point of this text is whether we stay spiritually paralyzed or if we see a door, an opportunity, and we run through it. That's the whole point of Ruth chapter 3. Not for us to judge the plan that they made, but to see how they took a risk in hope and in faith and how the Lord blesses it. Do you remember Naomi's prayer in Ruth chapter 1? My daughter, may you find comfort and hope in the home of another man. That was her prayer in chapter 1, and now Naomi is the answer to her own prayer in chapter 3. Now, i got to admit, there are times in our lives, brothers and sisters, when all we can do is throw our hands up and go, God, there is no way out. I have nothing. I have no options. There's no door to run through. There are no opportunities. And it feels like I'm in a house with four walls and no door. Have you ever felt that way? Where you absolutely don't see a way out of the situation. You can't see a way over it or around it, or through it, and you just throw it at the feet of Christ, and you say, God, I'm trusting you to deliver me in whatever way that you will. There are those times in our lives, and I'm going to call that a Naomi, a chapter one Naomi, because this woman was bitter. She was at a loss, and she threw her hands up in the air and said, God, I don't see a light. I don't see a way out. And yet today, I am not preaching specifically to Ruth chapter 1, Naomi's. I'm speaking to chapter 3, Naomi's. People who see a door, 
Maybe it's just cracked a little bit with a little bit of light flooding through it. Maybe you see just one opportunity. Maybe you see just one way out of the situation you're in, but you don't take it. We can't judge the plan of Ruth 3, but we can judge a Christian's inactivity in the Word of God, right? That the times that God answers our prayers and gives you an opportunity and you would rather just stay in the dark and not act upon it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we can judge in Ruth chapter 3. So let's let this text preach to chapter 3 Naomi's for a second. People who have seen opportunities and haven't taken them. Maybe you are the person on the dating scene. Why is it that you refuse to let yourself get into a serious relationship? Is it because you think that you will be heartbroken at the end of it or that God can't provide you with a Christian spouse? What if we, as a church, refuse to take any financial risks to move forward in ministry? Why would that be? Wouldn't it be because we don't trust that God wants to save people here and that he won't bless our activity? If you are stuck in depression and you see a way out through counseling that could potentially help you and you don't take it, why is that? Why do you just consider all things and remain in your broken marriage rather than seeking help or without a job and seeking an education? Why is it that we refused to take these opportunities that God places before us? I'm going to tell you why, and it's so important to this text. Isn't it because at some point and to some degree, we believe that God can't make it better? Isn't it because at some point and in some way, we stopped believing that the Lord cares and that the Lord is alive in our life? If you are a person in one of these situations where you're not seeing a way out or you have failed to take opportunities that God has given you, then can I tell you about a woman? A woman who lost her husband? A woman who lost her son and then lost her other son? A woman who was so changed from the terrible circumstances of her life that she changed her name from sweet to bitter? I want to tell you about that woman this time, not to convict you of your inactivity in your life, but to convict you of the Lord's presence in your life. Who fights for you, who lives for you. Isn't that what Boaz said? As surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. That's the point of this text. That the Lord lives. And he doesn't just live in some spiritual, invisible, behind-the-scenes type of way. He does that, but the Lord actually lives from death, from sin, from the grave, from Satan. The Lord lives, and the purpose of the Lord living is to give you life. 
spiritual life, physical life, in every single thing that you do. And you know what? He lives to forgive your inactivity. He lives to forgive the doubts that we have as a church that he won't bless what we're doing. He lives to erase all of your past and present and future failures, and he lives to redeem you as surely as the Lord lives, Boaz said. I will do it. Didn't read it, but Boaz took the corner of his garment and he placed it over Ruth to keep her warm. That's significant, not just because of the gesture, but because this signified more a redemption quality, a covering quality. I want you to go home and I want you to read Ezekiel chapter 16, specifically verse 8, when God is talking about his people Israel. And he talks about their sin and he talks about their failures. And then he talks about them in verse 8 us, right? And he says, I covered you with the corner of my garment and I have chosen you. It was a covenant, God said, a marital covenant where God the Father said, I choose you to be my bridegroom in life and in death, in sickness and in health, in all of the things that we would consider in a marriage. God says, you are now mine, covering us with his blood. As surely as the Lord lives, I will do it, he says. So to you who are struggling to pay a bill, do you see any opportunities that the Lord presents to you to get an education or to find a job to meet that deficit in your lives? For us as a ministry during a pandemic, do we see opportunities that the Lord presents to us to reach people in different ways, to share Christ virtually, to get out in our community and to love people in a whole new way? Do you who are struggling day after day in your job see an opportunity to make that an opportunity to share the love of Christ? Do you in your broken marriage see an opportunity for counseling and for betterment in the life of your people? Do you who are struggling with depression see an opportunity for counseling that could help you? What God is saying is don't be afraid to make a plan to take a risk, to take a chance. Because even a Naomi and Ruth's shot in the dark at redemption and marriage, God turned into a light of life for his people. How beautiful is that? Do you know what I feel like sometimes? That I'm just throwing a Hail Mary, right? Do Hail Marys normally work? Not typically. You just get back on about the 50 and you just cock back and you just launch it and you hope and pray that the Lord is going to bless it with a catch. That's the way my life feels. I'm just going to throw this up and we're going to see what the Lord does with it. And Naomi and Ruth's Hail Mary turned into a touchdown. 
And the Lord caught it and he blessed them and he took care of them. And do you know how I know he does that for his people? It's because I'm preaching to a a room full of Naomi's. Chapter 3, Naomi's. Because every single one of you, you is here because you took a risk. Nobody 49 years ago, when Hope Lutheran Church was started, said this is a foolproof foolproof plan, y'all. We're going to start a church in Columbia, and it's going to be great, and there is no chance that it will fail. Far from it, right? But if you weren't here 49 years ago, and chances are that you weren't, I want you to think about the first time you stepped into this building. The first time you walked into a starting point class with me, I promise that 0% of you said, man, this is my new home. I love it here. I'm confident here because you have seen failure in other churches and with other pastors and with other Christian people. And so it took a risk for you to come here. Do you realize that as you scroll through our directory, at least 50% of the people are here because someone took a risk in inviting them to church? That's a risk. Because you could get turned down. They could say no. You could be embarrassed. 50% of God's people are here in this church because someone took a risk and invited them to the house of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our life, our lives are full of taking chances. They are full of seeing the crack in the door and running for it. Seeing God's way out of your unemployment or your depression or your struggling marriage or us as a church to grow and for God to bless it. May we be a people of God who say that the Lord lives in our lives. And you know what? The Lord lives in this church. Because the Lord lives in you, and the Lord lives in me, and the Lord is faithful. So may we as God's people see an opportunity and take it. To see an opportunity to serve God's people and to expand our ministry. To see a struggling person and take them to coffee. That's not glue. That's not scissors. That is the living and active Word of God in people's lives. So may we in faith walk with Naomi, who put her hope in the Lord, in a risky plan, in a tense plan, and she threw it up and said, Lord, I pray that you'll catch it and I pray that you'll bless it. And as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it, God says. May we walk with Naomi. And as we make our plans, and as we walk through our doors, and as we take our opportunities, may we go with the hope and faith of Naomi that the Lord promises, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.